theme music sounding a little sick there. I'm not sure what's going on with it, but uh, we're not going to make the obvious joke. But go ahead. Well, it's a fair point, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> get your get your theme song tested immediately. <laughs> Don't let your theme song come into contact with any other theme songs. Social distance your theme songs. Well, welcome back to the flip side. Uh, it's, it's been uh, it's been a little bit of time. Um, but we apparently have plenty of time now mm -hmm. to talk, and so we're going to use that, and we're going to go a little off the the beaten path to start with in terms of what we're going to talk about and how we're going to talk about it, and we're probably going to, uh, you know, mess around with the format a bit throughout the course of the the months that are upcoming here potentially. But Brian Moritz is back. I'm Galen Clavio. Brian, hi, good to see you again. Um, good. I, I've been sitting waiting for you to, to Skype in for months now. This has been totally awkward. But. It's uh, it's my fault. It's it's actually, <laughs> it's the book project's fault that I still yes. haven't totally finished, but uh, guess what? I got plenty of time to finish that now too. So <laughs> I, I will say I'm already getting resentful and I'm not pointing the finger to anybody in particular here because I've gotten like five of these. I got immediately on Friday... I got like five or six requests to review articles. And it's like, look, this is essentially profiteering. Like right. this is this is essentially price gouging, but in, in form of, well, we know you're not that busy right now, Mr. I, Professor. So please review these nine articles for our journal. I, 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 I did notice uh, uh, several emails. I mean, I think I agreed to something and it was, it's been sitting there, but I did notice a frequency in the, just a reminder, emails, yeah. just a reminder, emails. And, uh, you know, as uh, as we were saying, we have nothing really going on. We have no classes to change format with in midstream, no students to nothing. make sure they're okay. No uh, um, no canceled daycare, uh, which is oh, causing yeah. us to uh, essentially uh, turn into full-time child watchers as well as right. people that have to work from the place right. that we're watching the children. It's so, fine. It's all it's fine. Great. It's great. You know, it's fine. It's perfect. So, yeah. uh, if you have comments or questions, uh, hit us up on on Twitter at BP Moritz at Doctor GC at Flipside Pod. Any of those are still alive and still kicking. <laughs> Brian, I guess let's start off with this. Um, we both have worked in media. We both work in education. We both have a lot of ties to media, and from the standpoint of where we're at. From a cultural societal perspective, particularly when it comes to social media and the way that information flow is happening surrounding this crisis uh, with coronavirus, like what do you, what do you, what do you, when you look out and see all of this, all of this together? This is a terrible question, by the way. What, <laughs> what, what's striking you the most right now? What is the most unusual thing, or the thing that you are the most interested in, process-wise? That's a that's a really really big and good question, um, because you know I feel like okay. So one thing that that's jumping out at me is the overall. Generally, I feel like mainstream media coverage of this has generally been pretty solid. I mean, it has not had you know one of the interesting things I think that that the media has caught on to media writ large has caught on to is the idea that there's always this frame when something comes up of like how much of a danger is this to me how much is this going to affect my day-to-day -day life and it's you know we we see this throughout in disaster coverage and political coverage and all the how this affects you and i think that it was a really quick pivot by media to kind of catch on to the this is this is legit like this is serious this is a big deal um this is not business as usual and we'll just we'll just we'll just get through it this jumped out as in terms of the coverage and uh 
media doing a real, I think a pretty good job of, of staying on top of it. But one thing that's interesting to me, um, and this is certainly not a new topic in the political world, in the political realm, but it's been striking to me, at least in the last like 24, 48 hours as we, we record this on Monday the 16th, is so you have a lot of commentators on the right, Fox News types, who are talking about the go still go out, you know, um, go to bars, go to restaurants, support businesses, the virus won't stop us, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you have the requisite and good dunking on that, right? This is wrong. This, you shouldn't do this. You know, stay inside for the love of all things holy. But I, but it struck me as like so. You, the one I saw a lot on Twitter in the last twenty four hours was the Devin Nunez uh, clip from Fox News, and people were were like manually retweeting it and commenting it with like, "This guy's an idiot. He's killing people and all this stuff." And it just struck me as. One of the first times it's been noticeable to me that of the danger in sharing the lie to debunk it. So you have the specific, the, the clip of him saying it and the little quote that's in the tweet of him saying it. And then the, the comment, the comments that are above it with everyone saying this is wrong, don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And I think that that just, that that's a time that adds to the confusion where like repeating the lie to debunk it is actually just keeping the lie out in the... Uh, out in the ecosystem and out in front of people. And I don't know how healthy that is given the stakes here. And then it makes me think about translating that off into um, uh, other to other forms, you know, repeating Trump lies, repeating blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it's just, it, it's just been really stark when you have an issue, something like this of public health. And I don't know, that's just what stood out to me. Um, and just the utter, just like, funny despair that i see in sports media and sports fans on handling this and not in a bad way everyone's you know there's some good projects going on people seem to be handling it in humor but except i mean except for the nfl there's just nothing going on in sports at a time when it's usually you know we'd be doing our ncaa tournament bracket episode this week or something like that so i don't know what's what's standing out to you with this couple things first of all Twitter is actually useful now. Twitter's been fantastic. Like, this has yeah. been. I, I. It's weird that in times of crisis, we would point to Twitter and say, "This is your <laughs> finest hour, social network." But it really has been because, uh, for a couple of things that you just mentioned, you have seen some pretty quick and clever and accurate debunking of garbage that normally circulates pretty much unfettered within the environment. You got a lot of people at home, a lot of smart people, a lot of people paying attention who are able to say with certainty and accuracy, this is this is garbage. Right. Um, and so that's been interesting. And I think it's actually kind of created a mini digital divide in a way, because the people that are on Twitter are probably the best informed, not just about what's going on in the U.S., although that is certainly part of it. You're finding out ahead of everybody else, hey, Ohio just closed all their bars and restaurants. Oh, Illinois just right. did. Oh, California just did. Maryland just did. But you're also finding out what's going on in other countries. And right. you're able to follow what's going on in Italy. You're able to follow what's going on in, in France and, and uh, you know, the Netherlands and Denmark. And, you know, I've, as you know, I am a longtime proponent of never wanting less information than what's available and been being able to parse that accordingly. And I think that from the standpoint of what we're seeing on social media, on Twitter in particular, this is where it actually comes in handy is as a natural news source when there's a lot of news and a lot of things to comment on and a lot of things to share. So that's probably the main thing. The other thing I think that I've actually been relatively impressed by 
and I'm going to try to be careful about this um, because it's it's certainly not across the board, but there's there's been a, a lot of community effort in a lot of different places, and it's taken on different forms, but people have been using the power of social media, not just to help organize to support local businesses who can't serve customers because they're not allowed to have customers in their shops, uh, but also just to entertain each other. And there's a lot of people who are taking the opportunity to, you know, set up. There was like, for, so for instance, the guy that writes the Elephant and Piggy books, Mo Willems, is apparently mm-hmm. doing something every day at one o'clock where they're going to do a live doodle session. Oh, neat. Streaming on social media. There's a list that my sister sent me, which has got the, it's this huge thing of, of different opportunities. <laughs> online that you can take advantage to everything from like you know the san diego zoo has a website that's just for kids and you know you got yellowstone national park virtual tours you've got you know math and reading games there's all these different things that are there and you know it's it's rare for you to take the you know the the negative aspects and talk about them and me to take the (laughs) positive aspects talk about them but i've actually been pretty impressed if you wanted to find things like that that you could go find them and the people are actually cultivating them and putting them in front of their fellow human beings. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fantastic point. You know, my daughter, we found out that there's a, I think one of her teachers sent out a thing, there's a stop animation app and they're going to be doing classes on stuff like that. And like fun stuff online too, along with, you know, putting your, you know, regular homework, math, science, and all this stuff on here. But just the, you know, thinking about it, like imagine if this had happened in like 1998 when we were in college. Um, I mean, first of all, um, we wouldn't have the, the amount of entertainment and good entertainment that we have access to, not just Netflix, Hulu, all the streaming stuff, but like you said, the museums that have virtual tours, the parks, the classes, you know, the, the, the kind of coming together is great. But just in terms of the, the spread of information, we wouldn't know what was happening in China and in Italy as fast as we were, as quickly as we did now. And if, you know, I'm not saying we've acted accordingly because we haven't, but it would have been an even slower. I, I, I think I, I fear for what would have happened if we hadn't seen hadn't seen it happening in other countries and kind of, be, kind of being able to track it down. I do. I, I also like your point on Twitter having a golden moment. You know, I think people, are, you know, government agencies are doing a good job putting information out there. I think news organizations are doing a good job in linking to them and in quoting and then kind of waiting to get official word. There hasn't been like this rush to uh, break the story that schools are closing or something along those lines. Like there's not, hasn't, I haven't seen a ton of on the local and the local and like regional levels, a lot of that anonymous source uh, sourcing or quoting like that. I think there's a reliance on waiting for an announcement or something along those lines. And I think that, I think that that's good. It's interesting. You know, Twitter has been great. Do you think, and given the, given like the, the, atmosphere around social social distancing and like the negatives of people going out to rent, going out to eat going out to bars going out to party and stuff like that um do you think that if twitter is doing is having its moment do you think instagram is kind of getting a little bit of its um i don't say come up it's that's not the right word but is this kind of like the instagram opposite are they like the mirror image where they're not the ones to shine but they're like the the easy app or the easy platform to kind of pick on people and blame for party gatherings, stuff like that. 
No, I mean, look, I think if there's one thing that we've learned about social media over the course of the last decade, it's that not everything has to be everything to everybody, despite what the creators or the maintainers of that mm -hmm. network might want. And I just think that, you know, Instagram is a it's useful in times of peace, but like Twitter is the wartime consigliere. Uh, it, right. You know, it's like you, yeah. when you need to find news, Twitter at its best is where you can go to find news relatively quickly. And there is almost a natural upvoting process in the retweets and the likes that come through mm -hmm. that. It's not too dissimilar to what you'd find on Reddit, except nobody goes to Reddit. And not that many people go to Twitter, but the people that are paying attention are generally going to Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, I, and so I think the biggest loser in all this, of course, has been Facebook because Facebook has again become a den of, you know, opinion scum and villainy. It's, it's just <laughs> this, it's just this, and it's funny because I was one of my former students who's a reporter, you know, went and, and made a post earlier today. I want to read this, uh, because I think it's, it's something that everybody needs to hear, um, let me find this real quick. Great, great radio, uh, as always <laughs> here, or great podcast. Okay, here we go. This is from Courtney Robb, who's a, a news and sports reporter in Mississippi. I'm really going to need people to stop sharing posts and quote-unquote articles from places such as the Daily Mail. Those articles are consistently not factual, lack sourcing, and are focused on clickbait. Please only share information from reputable news sources. I'm always here to ask if you're unsure of the information you're reading. And, of course, you know, Facebook has completely fell on its face again in an important moment here. And this is a good illustration because I, I, I mentioned in a comment on that post, the Daily Mail, the Sun, the Daily Express, the Mirror. Like, we could go through the entire tabloid list of the British press, right. and they become a real problem within this kind of an environment, not because they write sensationalist trash, because they've done that for literally a century plus. Like their, entire, their entire reason for being is to be sensationalist trash. Right. The, but the problem is it gets shared on Facebook, and there's no counteracting mechanism, and people just right. hit the share button. And this is where actually Twitter, not through any... Twitter deserves zero credit for this. Like they, They're not doing anything to combat this, but... The people on Twitter are a much better barrier to that kind of news than what you see on Facebook. And so that's where I do think there is an interesting kind of dichotomy developing in terms of who's getting news from where. And the, the sad and I, I guess ironic thing about all of this is that the people who are on Facebook who are sharing these articles are the most vulnerable populations to yep. the coronavirus, and they seem completely unaware that what they're doing is sharing information that could lead to their own sickness. Yep. We've had, my wife and I had that exact same conversation um, over the weekend dealing with family members like that. But it is, it is um, fascinating to kind of see this evolve and, and, and the story go. And yeah, Facebook just, I mean, is Facebook useful for anything right now? In uh, not, general? I mean, I mean, I don't think it is. It, it, it's probably not. No, I mean it's uh, it's one of those deals where I I struggle to think of anything that it's doing well at this point. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. I mean, even the community function of it. Like, I mean, I think if we've learned anything, it's that in many cases having people in communities get together online and talk is is a bad idea. Like we've seen that mm -hmm. with Nextdoor on a regular basis, oh. but. 
<laughs> but what you're seeing is how easy, again, it is for bad information to get into the pool at a moment when you don't need bad information in the pool because right. literally, like, what you do on a given day will have a direct impact not just on you but on your fellow citizens. Right. And it and it, and it's so hard I think in, in, for one thing the information on on Facebook and other online places like you said it lacks context. If you don't know the Daily Mail you're like, "Oh, Daily Mail from London. They've got to be a good reputable news source." And not knowing that, you know, what it is or it, it's it's history on that. And so that that lack of context I think is a, is is a problem as well. I just I lost my thought. This is, again, riveting radio. The thought I had when I started that sentence is just gone. I'm sure it'll come um, back to you. Look, I, I'll say this. I think that there was a point that was made on the Press Box podcast last week that's really interesting, and they were talking about what would this have been like 20 or 30 years ago. And the, you know, the, there was a lot of talk about, you know, at that point, you would have a Tom Brokaw or a Peter Jennings that mm -hmm. that person would become the person that was able to cut through the the cultural divide and be able to talk to the american people directly and say here's what's going on and here's what you need to do that doesn't exist because of how fractured the media landscape is the office of the president is the one thing that can cut through the noise and make everybody pay attention that office that that president has been not just derelict in that duty, but has been actively pushing bad information for most of the mm -hmm. process. But it's interesting because with Twitter, there is at least the capacity to cut around all of that, cultivate your own sources of information that are that are good sources of information. I'm not saying like cultivating info wars or cultivating the Daily Mail, uh, right. you know, but instead you're able to cultivate things that allow you to at least keep an eye on what's going on and make your own decisions about what's happening and be able to react accordingly. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, what what it comes down to at this point is things have moved so rapidly over the course of the last week. We're all still trying to get our heads wrapped around what's happening. We're also trying to get our heads wrapped around what is something that is literally unprecedented in the last hundred years mm -hmm. of this country and really the world, you just haven't seen maybe since World War II, a kind of a total disruption on a whole number of levels of what's going on with things. And it's interesting now that there is a, there is media that can at least get up and above and beyond that as opposed to what it was at that point. Right. So my thought came back to me. You were right. It did come back. Um, and I think when we're dealing, especially on Facebook and you see this, this is not new in online media, but I think it comes up here, you know, I mean, this is a lot of those stories on Facebook and the shares on it. I mean, that's confirmation bias run amok. And I think like you were like I was saying earlier, I think this is this is such a weirdly unprecedented and challenging time for something like this, because you've got the if you go in like to, to, to drop a Nate Silver line on you, if your prior is this isn't going to be that bad, this is going to be like the flu or this is not going. I'm hoping that this is not going to be that bad or I'm expecting it to not be that bad confirmation bias will tell you you're going to seek out information that confirms that and ignore stuff that runs counter to that um and and so you, you if you're on the lookout for information that's going to say oh this isn't so bad we're overreacting blah 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 and now you put that out there you combine that again with the social network aspect where you're able to share with people and especially on facebook i feel like more than more than other social platforms at least more than twitter i think 
is you, because of the way the friend structure and the social structure of Facebook, you're, I think, more likely to have, be friends with and connected with like-minded people. And so you share something, you know, you're going to be, in other words, you're preaching to your own choir. And I don't, and and whereas Twitter, you can kind of have more end arounds and more links to it. I think on Facebook, it's just kind of the way the network has evolved. It net lends itself to this. I'm going to share stuff. I'm going to share stuff that people are going to like. And and again, that's how the algorithm works, right? If you like stuff, the more stuff you like or share, you're going to see more stories like that. Come on. And it's just, and on that area, it's just this perfect storm of, I want to believe that this is going to be nothing. Combined with the fact, I think for a lot of us, we haven't seen tangible elements of this. We're not, I'm not sick. You're not sick. You know, nobody in our immediate circle is sick, is showing signs of being sick. Of course, you know, we might have COVID-19. We might have had it and, and, you know, just not gotten sick of it. But because, you know, it's not widespread in the way that's in our faces in our everyday lives face to face i think it becomes easier to fall back on that this is not a big deal we're overreacting and i am interested to see oh, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there i'm interested to see like i think we're all a lot the the general social zeitgeist right now is behind this idea of social distancing and not going out and all this stuff i'm interested to see what it's like in a week or two like by friday or by next monday or tuesday you know, when people would start to get stir crazy or be like, this is it's working, we're doing better or, you know, just I don't know. I'm interested to see where it goes in a week or two. Yeah, it's a really interesting process because the so much of the social reaction, this is where I get pissed off about how this has gone down. So much of the social reaction to this has been based upon the messaging that was coming out of the federal government during the first month or two that we knew about this disease. It's like, oh, it's just like the flu. It's not Mm -hmm. that serious. Um, You know, most of you won't have any symptoms or you won't show it and it'll just go away. And not only not only is none of that true, but it's also like what we're starting to see in Italy, what we're starting to see elsewhere is people who are younger. Like I think half of mm-hmm. the half of the critical patients in France right now are people under the age of 40. Right. Uh, I mean, th- th- you know, there's a we're starting to see younger people starting to get affected by this as well. And that, I think, combined with the idea that nobody's really had to deal with social isolation or social quarantine before or very few people i don't want to say nobody but very few people have had to deal with that it makes for it's easy to start off by doing that and saying hey this is cool this is a new experience but there's so many things that will start to impact that over the course of the next week or two um Mm -hmm. you know the idea that a lot of people have of well gosh we can't we have to work. Well, okay, yeah, but there's a limited amount of work you're really going to be able to do if everybody's at home. And right. you know, the, the, our entire economy is based upon this idea that just the show goes on. And if you right. get sick, someone takes your place. Well, now everybody potentially could be sick. Everybody's being told not to, not to come in, not to be engaged in public things. Well, what does that do? I mean, there's so many facets of this that from a theoretical, like removed perspective, are really fascinating to watch unfold. From a from a societal perspective, it's pretty frightening because mm-hmm. you do wonder how well people will adapt to their entire approach to things having to be completely uprooted. And I think that the way that 
you know, the media right now have been so focused on, okay, what's going on and how is it affecting things from a, you know, here's the contagion pattern and here's how to do social distancing and here's how to flatten the curve and all of that. At some point that has to transition over to this idea of, all right, what are you going to do to live in these environments? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, you know, this is a time period that we're talking about one month to three months before we hit peak virus in the U.S., where that's not really a conceivable amount of time for most people to not do things. Like, it's just right. like, you know, three weeks at Christmas break and people are getting edgy. And you're taught this is not nearly this is not the same sort of thing. Right. And, you know, we're both we're both uh, on college campuses and like, um, I don't know, are you guys done, online for the whole semester now? Uh, yes, we are. Okay, so we are technically only online until April 13th, and then they will reevaluate. Um, I have my feelings on where that's going to go, but that's where we are now. But, like, it was so weird, you know, just I, I think of, you know, we've talked in, in the sports world, we've talked about, like, no NCAA tournament, no spring sports, and col- and the seniors who didn't get their senior day and all that. I think of, like, my senior students who are, like, you know, a couple of them came up to me at the end of my class on Friday afternoon, and, like, this is my last class. And, like in March, just out of nowhere from one, one, you start the week on Monday and Friday's like, this is my last college class. We don't know if we're going to have graduation, you know? Um, and, you know, th- you know, think about it. Think about how much, again, just kind of taking off the macro into Michael micro, think about your last half of your senior semester, in, senior year in college, second yeah. semester, senior year, the last half after spring break. I mean, was there a better time? I mean, yes, it's stressful and it's a little more stressful in, in this generation, um, given economic factors and all of that. But just that 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 sense of that sense of possibility, that sense of excitement, that like partying atmosphere, you know, all that all that good stuff. And now and graduating and graduating and all that. And now at best, that's up in the air. And yeah. at worst, it's probably it's probably not gonna happen. And it I mean, I, I you know, speak for you because I know you're similar with your students. I mean, this stinks from our perspective. You know, we miss it. We're going to miss seeing all of that as well. And, um, you know, are we going to be back in the fall? And we haven't even touched, you know, sports and theater and movies and, and all the pop culture stuff. I mean, it's just I remember it was funny walking on campus on Wednesday. So this was the day that our governor went rogue and just announced that all all school all schools in our system were closing before he told the schools that we were closing, um, which was a fun day. But there was this just kind of weird sense of almost like impending doom, but just this weird kind of like something's going down and, and, and it's just this weird sense. Like it's weird to go out, like if you have to go to the store, we, we did this weekend, and not like see cars like in the dri- driven off in the ditch and to see like groups of kids. Like it almost feels like it should be a zombie apocalypse movie and it's not. It's just this weird kind of like quarter life going on. It's very bizarre. It is really sad the the way that people's senior years are wrapping up like this. I mean, I've got a lot of students who were, you know, this is the, the home stretch right before they go out into the job market. And uh, now it's just very awkwardly done. And, mm-hmm. you know, you really, I don't know exactly what to say to students in that situation. Um, it is... And uh, the one thing I told them, I was like, look, this is this is an unprecedented thing. It doesn't make you feel any better about it, and it shouldn't, but it's an unprecedented thing. It's it's um and it's gonna disrupt a lot of people's lives and a lot of the things that we have just kind of, you know, 
just take it for granted is going on on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of that, it's like, I mean, I remember this is a, a different sort of thing, but it's like, you know, the when I graduated, that was immediately, like, it didn't stop school or anything, but that was right around the time that the, the stock market tanked, all the jobs went away. Right. Uh, you do, and, you know, to some degree, it's like you do run into these sorts of situations where the unfortunate realities of, of life just kind of smack you in the face. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the people that were graduating from college in 08 and 09, same thing, right. uh, where the economy just, you know, drops through the floor and suddenly the entire environment changes. It's a little different when college itself goes away. And I think for my little corner of things, I'm trying to teach kids how to cover sports. Well, when there's no sports to cover, that gets difficult. But you, you find right. other ways to, you know, to to do the educational part and – you know, it's why I tell students, you know, you just, when opportunities pre- present themselves, you never know when the opportunities are going to disappear down right. the road. You just got to take advantage of them as they're happening. And that's not a great, that's not an acceptable or a great consolation for people, but it is the reality that you have to face. And, um, you know, I, there's not even really a guarantee things are going to get back to normal in a month or two. Like, you know, we've right. seen estimates that go far beyond that. And the best things you can do in these sorts of circumstances is try to figure out exactly what you, you know, how, how do you adapt? How do you, how do you add to your skill set? How do you change things? And it's, it sucks that you don't get a chance to just do what other people have done before you, but mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the day, it ends up making you a little bit better down the road and it allows you to pivot a lot faster because you've already been through something like this, which is something that right. very few people have had to go through. I mean, I sound like terrible motivational speaker here, but I've been struggling <laughs> to try to come up with these answers myself because I've got students who are getting ready to graduate mm-hmm. who I don't really have a good answer for other than I can't do a whole lot for you in terms of the sports that you'd want to cover. So let's find a way for you to continue to create content, to continue right. to think about things, continue to sharpen your own skills so that you can do something to make this time period worthwhile for you and for others. Right. So, um, on a somewhat later note, um, what is your, as I know you'll probably have one, what is your cooking goal or your food goal for, uh, for quarantine? Um, my goal cooking wise is that's tough though, but you know, it's like most of what I do cooking wise has revolved around meat of varying sorts. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know how available fresh meat's necessarily going to be over the course mm-hmm. of the next few weeks. I would like to, you know, I'm working on some of my indoor skills right now. I'm working okay. on um, the the you know some of the, some some baking things, some oven based items where you're using some different philosophies and approaches. Maybe creating some sauces that might be a good idea. Uh, I've I've been hesitant to dip into the sauce world, no pun intended, because I've been trying to figure out other aspects of the cooking structure. But this is where I'm trying new things, I guess. And I got plenty of time to mess with them, so maybe we'll go that yeah. route. I did. We did like a. Uh, I did do something that I was kind of proud of the other day, and it wasn't an original thought or anything like that. But we did a uh, a chorizo mac and cheese, which turned out really, really good. Uh, it was <laughs> it was it was nice. It was the chorizo. Combined with the macaroni, it was a nice counter 
punch as far as the yeah. flavors were concerned, gave it a little bit of an edge. So I would I would recommend looking into something like that. How about yourself? Um, getting back into the world of just like actually making dinner every night is a big thing for me. I mean, you know, um, it's been a, a tumultuous 2020 even before uh, quarantine in my house and in my family. So we've been uh, this is a, this is actually an unintentional as long as we all stay healthy and unintentional, I think, nice reset for all of us. Um, and so kind of getting back into the habit, I am looking at like making my own pizza dough, which I've never done. I've got Michael Ruhlman recipe for that. Then I'm going to, I'm going to give a throw this week. Um, and, and I think a lot of it, and, and, and this goes beyond just, I think cooking, although it's a big part of it is kind of like the intentionality of life can kind of, I think, get a little bit better because I think we all, you know, I, I'm very guilty of this, but I think we all have the ability to just kind of like, you know, you have your stuff, you have your, your groceries at home, but then you're like, oh, I'm in the mood for blank, whether it's takeout or a restaurant or run to the store to get blank to make for dinner tonight. Well, that's not super really an option anymore um, in terms of being able to just run out to the store and A, being able to run out, but B, assuming that the stores are going to have what you're exactly what you're looking for or anything close to it. So I think I, I think kind of one of the things I'm looking forward to is this intentionality of this is what we have. This is kind of what we bought to, to, to stock up um for for our time and let let's find new ways of using that and kind of and, and being creative with what we have rather than kind of just relying on uh, on the quick trip to that yeah, the quick trip to Wegmans to to fix it all up so um I gotta say, I didn't stock up on beer either I have all the leftover beer in my fridge from uh, I know thumbs down to us um ha! we uh, I did I've we, stocked uh, up twice now <laughs> <laughs> we um uh, yeah, we did not, we have all, we have some, some beer, some daily beer, but we also have a lot of the leftover beer that we, that we're just kind of scrounging in our fridge. And now we're stuck with that, but we did make it, make a point to get two gallons of ice cream. So we're stocked up there, which is big. It's huge. Yeah. It's, I've done a couple of stock ups and my wife laughed at me at the, after the last one was like, you bought a bunch of junk food. And I'm like, well, it lasts, That's what we did. it lasts a long time. And maybe I'm just yes. reverting to my eighties roots, but I, I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's not going to kill me if I buy a box of Oreos and, right. and have those in the house. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I will say the diet, like the trying to keep weight off during this time period is going to be rough. I'm trying to force myself to go on multiple walks a day and get mm -hmm. out of the house as much as possible. But uh, having, having the dogs helps with that. It does. Which is a very nice, very nice boost. Yeah, but, uh, but, but we did the same thing. Like we did the actual stock up of like pasta and sauce and soup and stuff to freeze and all that. Then the other night we're like, we need snacks. We are not going to survive. Yeah multiple weeks in the home with, 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 with just dinner. So yes, that was the ice cream and Dorito run, which I'm very proud of. Yeah. It's uh necessary to say the yes. least. Well, uh, well we don't want to make these go too long. We're going to be probably doing these on a somewhat regular basis as we move <laughs> forward here. So we'll stop for now and we will come back when events warrant, which might just be our own boredom as the events right. that warranted. <laughs> but um, Brian, Best of luck and and uh, keep yourself busy, but not too busy. Take advantage. Yeah. Smell some flowers every now and then. Um, oh, it's cute. Do you think we're gonna have flowers in upstate New York? Not so cute. <laughs> maybe it's not maybe May yet. maybe maybe now. grow them indoors or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, but anyway, folks, you take it easy and stay safe and stay healthy. And let's just keep in touch with one another. If you got comments or questions, hit us up online uh, on Twitter. Topic idea. Topic. Topic ideas that you'd love to want us to talk about. We'd be happy to do so. Anyway, for Brian, I'm Galen. This is the flip side. Uh, we'll catch you folks 
on the flip side. So long, everybody.